Thanks for downloading this episode of On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. Our guest today is Glenn Gilmore. He's the principal of the social media marketing firm Gilmore Business Network. He's also a practicing attorney and serves as a social media advisor to Memphis-based How Marketing. He has a book, comes out soon, called Social Media Law for Business. Glenn, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Eric. Now, on April 2nd, 2013, Social media was officially deemed by the Securities and Exchange Commission an acceptable venue for publicly traded companies to disclose material information to investors. Now, for the layman, it may seem like the SEC is merely bowing to reality. The combined reach of PR Newswire, Businesswire, and other paid news distribution services is only a fraction of the audience of Facebook and Twitter. Why is the SEC so concerned with the way material information or information that could impact the trading value of a company's stock, why are they so concerned about the way that information gets disclosed? It's all about fairness, and and it's about truth in advertising. It's about making sure that that there is an equal playing field, particularly of information for investors. Uh, The SEC, in its announcement, is kind of catching up to, for example, uh, the financial industry, National Regulatory Authority, they came out with some social media guidelines back in January of 2010. And so the SEC has obviously taken a little bit more time in coming to a point of providing some guidance and saying it's okay to use social media. But in saying it's okay to use social media, what the SEC did was to also say that the compliance rules that protect investors by making sure that all investors have an equal understanding of where information will be shared is followed as well. And so what the SEC has said, uh, interestingly, is that um, information can be shared concerning uh, investments and company values uh, through social media, provided that uh, a company makes it clear that that it's going to share that sort of information from its uh, social media sites. And what the SEC has said is that Always when there's a question as to compliance, it's a case-by-case analysis that we use, but we actually want to encourage uh, the use of, of uh, communications uh, such as uh, social media. And so not only did they give it an okay, they even acknowledged that, that uh, they think at the end of the day uh, it can be a positive for consumers uh, as well as for businesses too. Now this has something to do with um complying with regulation fair disclosure, right? Explain to us what regulation fair disclosure is and why that would be an issue for institutional versus individual investors. Uh, Sure. Uh, Fair disclosure is a core requirement in the investment field that says that any time there's material information, and by material it means that that it it can uh, impact the value of, of a company, of a business, of an investment. Anytime 
that there's a disclosure of such information, information that would be weighty in in decisions concerning investment, that's information that's non-public until it's released by by a source, and and what we're talking about is a business source uh, that has proprietary uh, claims on information, Uh, that information has got to be shared uh, to shareholders in a place that's reasonably foreseeable to be shared. And so when a relationship uh, is created between uh, shareholders and a a company, uh, that relationship has got to include clear information about where uh, any updates concerning the company and information relating to to the company will be distributed by the the company. And uh, this will shareholders shareholders are on equal footing and are given the notice to uh, of, of where of where to look and, and in this particular case this particular decision from the SEC it was inspired by an actual uh, occasion and the occasion being the uh, uh, CEO of uh, uh, Netflix uh, sharing from his Facebook page information about uh, how well Netflix was doing and it prompted inquiries, and it, prompt, and it prompted uh, inspection by the SEC, and ultimately prompted a, uh, uh, an announcement from the SEC that, that uh, was welcomed by, by many, may, may cause concern by others, but, but I think by and large is a welcomed uh, gesture by the uh, SEC. Now, the ruling says it's all right for companies to use social media to disclose material information to investors as long as they've alerted them that they'll be doing so in advance. So from a practical standpoint, how should companies inform investors they'll be using social media to release material, material information? It's, it's got to be part of, of the initial disclosure that uh, a company gives to investors. Uh, if you're going to, to invest in a company, if you're going to become a shareholder, uh, you're generally given uh, a volume of documents, uh, disclosure documents that go along with it. Clear and upfront has got to be information about how the company will share information concerning the company, and certainly there are formalities of, of annual statements and reports to shareholders. Uh, but there are other times as well in which alerts are given because uh, companies like like to be transparent, hopefully about what's happening within the company, particularly when it comes to to some successes. Although. Uh, even the the bumps and and, and uh, the negatives have got to be disclosed uh, as as well, and uh, that compliance uh, requires that, that a company think hard about how how they can alert uh, uh, shareholders in a way that 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 is plain for everyone to to see, and simply uh, upfront letting uh, shareholders know uh, we distribute information concerning. Um, what's happening with this company, not only in our annual reports, but also on our Facebook page and on, on, uh, and whatever other social networks uh, a company might decide would be helpful in communicating to, to shareholders. Are there any other caveats to the ruling? Uh, well, uh, the caveat is encompassed, I think, in the SEC uh, when it goes into detail about uh, the incident that prompted uh, uh, their announcement, which was the incident involving the uh, CEO of uh, Netflix. 
and they made note of the fact that uh, he had uh, shared from his uh, Facebook account information about uh, the sort of volume of, of activity that, that Net, Netflix was was seeing. And uh, it's a sort of information that, that, that says, quite plainly, hey, our company is doing well. Hey, our company is getting a lot of traction. Parenthetically, hey, our company is a good investment, without explicitly saying so. Uh, and what the F- uh, what the SEC has said is that any time uh, non-public information, material non-public information is shared, it's got to be shared in a place that people are aware of. And, and if it isn't, um, then we're going to take a, do our case-by-case analysis of what transpired and what sort of violation may have occurred, whether or not a violation did e- even occur. And in, and in the case of Netflix, what they made note of was the fact that prior to the uh, CEO's uh, posting of "Hey, our you know our company's getting a lot of traction here," without any without any uh, uh, suggestion that, that that he was doing it for any other reason than, than being a, a CEO who was very uh, happy about how well his company was doing, uh, the SEC in their analysis made note of the fact that that information had been previously shared uh, through those channels that were part of the formal. Uh, information uh, framework uh, for the shareholders for that company. And so it wasn't as if he was sharing for the first time uh, this information and sharing it exclusively um, through his Facebook account. So what's important in that analysis is should be a signal to uh, companies that uh, the SEC is going to look carefully at the use of uh, announcements made through social media and the nature of those announcements. It's not a green light for uh, companies or CEOs uh, or financial advisors to uh, share information uh, without regard to making sure that it closely comports to information that, that, that uh, uh, is accurate and truthful. Those standards still apply. And uh, I think the SEC was making it clear we will look at, at any time that, that there's a question about the propriety of information, both where it was shared and what platform. We'll also look at what was shared and, and, and how it was shared and, and how it com- compares to our general uh, rules. So uh, I would uh, strike a cautionary note that, uh, while yes, the SEC has said uh, companies can use social media platforms to share information, provided they've alerted shareholders to, to this fact, uh, companies would be well advised to make sure that, that the manner and nature of the con- uh, of the information they share uh, isn't in any way misleading, doesn't in any way overstate uh, uh, the importance of, of, of facts. And uh, in social media, too often people think, well, we don't have to write as tightly uh, as we do elsewhere in how we report information. In regulated industries, uh, such as in, in, within the securities industries, uh, the mandate is clear. Whether it's on Facebook or in an annual report, the information has got to be accurate, not misleading, and not overstating anything. Now, back in October 2009, we had uh, Brian Lane, who's a partner at Gibson, Dunn & Crutcher, and a former director of the Division of Corporate Finance at the U.S. Uh, Securities and Exchange Commission, and Brock Romanak, who's the editor of the CorporateCouncil.net and a former counselor at the SEC uh, to Commissioner Laura Unger on to discuss commission guidance on the use of company websites for corporate disclosure 
And I mean, that, so that came out in 2009, and it clearly said companies could use their websites to release material information so long as they let investors know that they would be doing so through conventional channels. And it certainly did not prompt any sudden shift in how IR professionals release information. They still clear the wire first, move, on, move the information into their corporate newsroom second. Would you mm-hmm. expect to see any sort of prompt shift as a result of this announcement? Well, Eric, the, the the point you make in terms of of you know the, the genesis of, of this latest announcement really uh, finding its origin in the SEC's earlier announcement concerning uh, the impact of, of websites, which seems like a, a thousand years ago, but but really wasn't. Um, as to as to your question of might there be a shift in in where the, the initial information is shared and and uh, might it in some way uh, you know, change uh, perhaps. Um, there are 1.5 billion social media users now, uh, and uh, uh, what we do know is that when people are on the are on the web, most often uh, they're they're within a given uh, social network. Um, I think you're going to see, based on the SEC's decision, a much more vigorous use of uh, social platforms uh, for the sharing of such information. Uh, and um, companies, uh, businesses, struggling to make sure that, that they're sharing it in that compliant fashion. But I think that, that ultimately you're going to find that, that more information of this sort is going to be shared through social platforms than certainly a, a standard website, the reason being that, that it's where the communication, it's where the listening is taking, is taking place. Now, NASDAQ and the New York Stock Exchange still state a preference for PR wire releases over other methods. Would you, if you were advising the IR group at a public company, would you like to see NASDAQ and the New York Stock Exchange catch up to the SEC's guidance uh, before you started moving um, even simultaneously on a social network with the wire or before... I guess, you know, social media starts to actually replace the wires, if at all. An abundance of caution is always uh, a, uh, uh, a sound approach. And uh, whatever the existing rules are, one has to adhere, adhere to them. Whatever the preferences are, uh, one has to make sure that, that, that uh, one is giving deference to those. But ultimately, uh, regulatory agencies are struggling as our businesses, as our individuals, with putting their arms around this thing called social media. Uh, the recognition is clear, though, that uh, it is the preferred method of communication for most people. That means most consumers. That means uh, it, it's, it's the delivery network that, that's most likely to uh, be heard and seen uh, by, by consumers. Um, there are, are going to certainly be industry preferences so that the professionals themselves can stay attuned to where, you know, to, to the latest and greatest within the industry. But, but I think we're seeing a fundamental shift, and uh, uh, the SEC's uh, announcement uh, uh, concerning the uh, the use of, of social media, I think, it is is an indication of, of that of that trend. Um, I would I would actually uh, even read for a moment from the decision of the SEC, the, the analysis of it, 
just looking here at one point, um, it, it specifically states, in fact, we encourage companies to seek out new forms of communications to better connect with shareholders. Uh, and then uh, uh, it goes on to, to make note of how it will look at and does look at uh, alleged violations through the scope of um, facts and circumstances for the specific uh, incident. So uh, the SEC, I, I think, is, is demonstrating a, uh, a fundamental shift, and the fundamental shift is to say not only are we going to allow, which is permissive, but it goes on to say we encourage companies to seek out new forms of communications to better connect with shareholders. And, and that's the challenge for, uh, for companies. It's the challenge for regulators on how do you tap into uh, new forms of communications and still adhere to uh, the, the roles and rules that, that are established to make sure that, that uh, uh, investors are protected. And quite clearly here the SEC has said that the fair disclosure uh, regulation uh, follows businesses uh, into, into the social space, and that's how it's done. So um, would you expect to see more public companies do things like, you know, put Twitter follow buttons in their IR newsrooms, or would you expect to see them embedding the user timeline of their branded account more? Do you think that this prompts more integration of social widgets? Absolutely, it it does. Um, It's... It is a green light to, uh, and, and even a nudge, in essence, uh, to businesses saying, think about uh, using new ways of communication that are more likely to provide and connect with, with shareholders. And uh, I think this is going to give um, encouragement to uh, Further integrating and making social sharing uh, much more much more seamless. However, there is a, the great challenge of compliance to, to make sure that that uh, every step of the way, technology which incorporates widgets and and uh, and mobile uh, uh, technologies as well uh, don't don't run faster than the compliance regulations that. Uh, um, within the financial community, certainly uh, companies and and, uh, and firms need to follow very very closely. Well, let's let's talk about that. Let's sort of break that down. Let's say let's talk about the difference between personal versus branded social media accounts. Now, the law sure. firm Covington and Burl and Burling LLP in the uh, Wall Street Journal report said, and this is a quote: um, "Corporate insiders uh, should." Uh, quote, should refrain from posting non-public information on their personal social media accounts, unquote. Good advice. Unless the, Good advice. Unless, unless the company's already alerted investors about the account and carefully analyzed, unquote, potential disclosures of material information that would trigger Reg FD. So let's say, for example, that a publicly traded company issues a press release that they intend to use um, to, you know, for, for some sort of material announcement, and then they tweet it out. They tweet out a link to the press release from their branded corporate account, and they've disclosed that they're going to be sharing through this branded account. 
And let's say that they've also been encouraging their employees to retweet and reshare that information from their personal accounts. Now, let's say some employees retweet the branded tweet with the link back to the press releases, but others simply cut and paste the tweet into their own account and send it out unattributed. Now, as long as the timestamp of the personal tweet is later than the branded tweet, are they in compliance? Or do they need to distribute a press release with all the names of the Twitter IDs of the employees who may be sharing the news as well? Well, uh, what one has to understand is that uh, within uh, the space of social media marketing, there is more than one regulator, more than one regulating authority. And oftentimes, uh, people within the financial uh, services industry overlook the fact that uh, there's another regulatory authority uh, called uh, the uh, FTC, uh, Federal Trade Commission, and they've come out with extensive guidelines that are aimed to uh, to make sure that consumers are protected within the social space uh, against uh, misleading advertising. And financial advisors have an obligation to listen to those uh, regulatory uh, guidelines as well. And those regulatory guidelines talk about an obligation, an affirmative obligation to disclose material connections. Uh, a financial advisor that, that decides to begin to cut and paste uh, is a financial advisor who is uh, uh, putting much at stake uh, because in the process of, of that cut and pasting, they may be changing the context and correctness of the information that's being shared, point one, uh, which could could have uh, uh, a devastating effect on investors who, who might uh, be relying on information that's being shared, information that, that may have been carefully vetted by the company for accuracy in its in, in the entirety of what was shared, but cutting and pasting may may create a situation in which uh, there's a a difference now uh, in in the direction of of the information, and secondarily by not disclosing. Uh, that they have a material connection uh, in some way with the information that's being shared, they certainly uh, are entangling themselves in uh, the uh, FTC's rules that say material uh, relationships must be disclosed. And not only are they entangling themselves in, in that uh, uh, regulatory net, but they're also, there's a, there's a doctrine of entanglement where there may be allowances where when you share information in its entirety, but once you begin to cut and paste, you have entangled yourself into the content that's being shared because you, you're now the editor. And any change in meaning, any change in, in uh, uh, content becomes your personal responsibility. And uh, that's something where companies have got to make sure that uh, their advisors have a clear set of uh, social media guidelines they have social media uh, training, and they have uh, supervision to make sure that uh, the information they share in the social space, as in any space, is being audited on a regular basis to make sure that, that it's accurate and fair and comports to all the existing rules in place. Understood. Let's say, for example, that the company we're talking to has a policy that's up-to-date, They've covered their basis from the standpoint of the FTC with standard disclaimers that have to be on the profile 
of the account. So, you know, I'm so-and-so, I work at this company, these are my own opinions. Now, let's say somebody retweets the branded message with a link to the press release with material information, with material information, and it's too long. So they shorten it, but instead of putting RT, they put NT for modified tweet. Now they've disclosed that they've modified it, and they've said on their profile that this is their, their account, they work for this company, so they've disclosed the financial relationship between them and the firm, and, um, and uh, they said, you know, these are my own opinions, but they've used an MT. Do you think in that type of a case, if the modification has altered the material, the meaning of the tweet, that that could be, you know, noncompliant? I do, certainly, certainly. Uh, the, uh, the obligations that, that come with, with sharing content, particularly uh, content that relates to investments, for example, uh, are very complicated, and uh, um, to simply uh, rely on the fact that, well, I, I used MT, which means a modified tweet, which means I've changed in some way, it wouldn't certainly um, relieve the uh, person sharing that information uh, from responsibility for the change in context or meaning uh, of the information that was shared. And also, too, you know, I mentioned uh, before the obligations that the uh, FTC imposes in addition to the SEC. Uh, and it gets complicated when you start using these abbreviations, but I, I do think it's a, a big mistake that many within the financial field are making by not uh, paying attention to uh, an overlapping regulatory authority. And and what the SEC, what the uh, FTC, for example, has said with regard to disclosure is that it is not enough to simply have a disclosure within your profile page. If you're tweeting, the fact that your profile says you work for Company X, or even perhaps uh, your your Twitter handle, your Twitter name some, in some way suggests uh, who you work for and is in some way branded. The FTC has said that, that within the context of the uh, messaging, you've got to in some way alert uh, users to the fact that, that there is a connection that uh, uh, between the material that's being shared and the person sharing that, that information. So uh, the fact that there's a disclosure in, in a profile page, in a link, uh, is, n- is not enough uh, to report with the uh, FTC standards. And uh, I would uh, suspect as well under the SEC's case-by-case analysis, it, it wouldn't uh, pass mustard either. Glenn, just last week, Bloomberg began providing tweets on investor terminals. Um, mm-hmm. Does the availability of tweets on trading terminals, you think, make Twitter a safer or riskier place to disclose material information? Uh, you, you know, I, I think uh, as with anything that, that's shared online, uh, one's got to always uh, uh, take, take a close look at it. Uh, we have hacking that occurs just not within the social space, but uh, um, Websites uh, as well become victims of, of hacking, and that hacking has created situations in which uh, uh, not only is there malware sometimes embedded within a website, but, but also some of the content that may come from a particular site may not uh, be actually uh, genuine. And uh, that has not been a problem that's been confined social, uh, you know, solely to the social media space. It's something that, that uh, the internet generally has been victimized by. 
uh, and uh, as to whether or not uh, sharing of more information uh, makes Twitter more reliable, safer. Um, people have got to people, and when I say people, I mean not only uh, professionals, but, but average users have got to uh, invest some time in, in understanding how social media works and uh, to make sure that the information they're seeing and relying on is in fact from a genuine source. Uh, and uh, the social networks are getting better at at policing. Uh, sources that, that aren't authentic or that are spam in some way, but consumers have also got to make sure that, that uh, with this latest announcement, uh, simply because they see something within social media doesn't necessarily mean that, that uh, it's, it's authentic. They've got to spend a few moments to, to track down and make sure it is an authentic account uh, uh, from the business or firm uh, they think it's uh, from. Glenn, final question. What updates, not, not basics, let's, let's assume we've got a social media policy that's up to date already. What updates to that policy, if any, should HR managers at public companies consider making to their employee handbooks as a, resu- as a specific result of this ruling? Sure. Um, and and I, I should have said this at the beginning, uh, but certainly – what we're talking about here today, at, at no point should, should it be considered legal advice, uh, but really just for informational purposes only. And, and any specific uh, legal question, uh, I would encourage folks to talk to an attorney from their jurisdiction. Uh, as to uh, what companies might want to do at this point in time by way of uh, adjusting their social media policies uh, specific to this added guidance, uh, I would uh, uh, go to the... SEC uh, decision, and uh, I would go specifically to uh, the release that it issued on April 2nd, and I would go line by line through um, what is actually a five-page document that that lays out the the analysis that that went into the SEC's uh, decision, and uh, I would certainly underscore uh, the fact that uh, the requirement of fair disclosure follows uh, social uh, social media uh, announcements, and uh, that means making sure that, that a company has uh, informed shareholders before any information is shared on the social platform that that information may be shared there. So, so you've got to, two key points that have got to be included in any update to your policy. Uh, the one of... of following uh, the regulation of fair disclosure, which is to inform uh, shareholders that that information uh, may be shared from the uh, company's social media accounts, and you need to outline what those accounts are and certainly update uh, your information to shareholders. If you were to suddenly uh, tomorrow have a Pinterest account for your uh, company that that wasn't previously mentioned, uh, I wouldn't just uh, say we're also using our social media accounts. I would specify what those accounts are, and then I would make sure that, that uh, advisors understood that, that the content has got to be clear and follow the, the regular guidance uh, for any uh, time uh, information is shared uh, concerning a, a business. When does your book become available? It actually becomes available uh, December of this year, and it's available Wait. on Amazon right now. Thank you. For pre-order, right? It, it sure is, yep. So we will put a link to that in the show notes. I just want to take a moment 
to say that we'll have a link to the SEC guidance that you can download on the blog as well. And I want to acknowledge um, for immediate release, the Hobson and Holtz report, Forbes, Ken McCoskey, uh, the Wall Street Journal, and the Bulldog Reporter Daily Dog for the articles they wrote on this ruling that helped me prep for this interview. And Glenn, I want to thank you for taking the time to do this. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. On the Record Online is hosted by Eric Schwartzman, an independent online communications consultant whose clients include the U.S. Department of State, the United States Marine Corps, the U.S. Embassy of Greece, the Government of Singapore, Johnson & Johnson, Toyota, Southern California Edison, the Environmental Defense Fund, and dozens of small to medium-sized organizations. For information about engaging Eric Schwartzman as a speaker, social media trainer, or digital strategist, visit www.ericschwartzman.com or send email to eric at ericschwartzman.com.